Welcome to the Hills Church Podcast. We hope that it helps you become a strong and passionate follower of Jesus Christ. For more information, you can head to our website at www.hillschurch.com.au. Enjoy this week's message. It is so good to be here with you today on this Christmas morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, it is so fantastic to see so many of you here. For all of our visitors and guests, my name's Evan, and I'm the pastor here at Hills Church, and it's just, uh, we just want to say a big welcome, extend our warmest welcome to all of you, and hope you are having a great day here with us. Well, I want to talk to you today uh, about a guy in the Bible whose name was Zachariah, which seems an odd place to start on Christmas morning, but we're going to see that this is one of the most significant contributions to the Christmas story that we can actually see in the Word of God. I remember growing up as a kid, one of my favourite things every year was when my mum would bring out that porcelain nativity set. And uh, I didn't really go to church, I didn't really know much about the Bible, but I was fascinated with this nativity. I had to make sure that every year it was arranged correctly. So someone would get it up and set it up incorrectly, and then I would come through and go, no, 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 this has to be here, and the baby has to be there, and the animals are here, and that's Mary and Joseph, and this is now the nativity is good, and it can be presented to our visitors that come and see our house. If I can close my eyes, I can still remember the texture of the porcelain of those nativities. Um, and the reason why I bring this up is I can remember every single part of that set, except in that set, there was no Zachariah. He's not someone that we would traditionally associate with Christmas morning. But I want to see today that um, he is a really key part in what God spoke to him about Christmas. I, find, I found that uh, the nativity set doesn't come with Zachariah, but you can purchase one separately. You can get a bolt-on Zachariah with Elizabeth and baby John. It's fantastic. You can buy anything right there. It's amazing. So um, let's have a look at what this is in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be in a second. But the context of what is going on here is Zachariah, who is a priest in the nation of Israel, his wife Elizabeth, they can't have a baby. Uh, and they're going through this time in their life where they are barren and they've been praying and praying and praying to God but still haven't seen that breakthrough. And the long and the short of it is that an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah and he says, well, you are going to have a baby. You're going to name him John and he's going to be this amazing forerunner to the saviour of the world. He's going to make a way for Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And Zechariah, instead of saying, yeah, this is amazing, woohoo, with the answer to prayer, he goes, nah. He goes, surely not. We've been believing for this for, for so long and I just couldn't believe it. He goes, show me, show me a sign that this is going to happen. And I kind of feel for Zachariah because when we look at some of the great signs in the Bible, I mean, Noah got a rainbow. Uh, he got this beautiful rainbow to look at and, you know, so many great things that, that God showed and did for people. But Zachariah, for inquiring of the Lord and for not believing the angel, what he had said to him, ended up with nine months of silence. And the angel closed his mouth and wrapped his tongue and he couldn't speak until this baby was born. Fast forward nine months and the baby is about to be born and all their friends are gathered around with Elizabeth and Zachariah and they're saying, you surely, you need to name the baby Zachariah after his son, after, after his father. And Zachariah goes, no, we're not going to. Oh no, he doesn't say it because he's still mute. Spoiler alert. Um, he writes down, no, the baby's name is going to be John. And as soon as he does this, the, uh, the Holy Spirit opens up his mouth and he can finally speak. Uh, and I love this kind of thing because silence sometimes is such an underrated commodity in our society right now. I hope today that wherever we are, wherever we're celebrating, wherever we find ourselves, that we can find some, some silence. And I believe that God turned this rebuke and this thing that he actually, that Zechariah might have thought was a punishment, a, a, a 
outcome of his rebellion and disobedience and disbelief of God into something really significant here. And how much of that is like God? I mean, the, the disobedience and the stuff that we do and we go wrong with God, he can turn it around for his goodness and for his glory. I think that's incredible. And this sign, I think it's more than just a punishment, his silence. It's, I think it's prophetic because the people of Israel had been in a very dark time at this point in the scriptures. For hundreds of years, there had been a time of God's silence. Not a single prophet was recorded in that time from Malachi to Matthew. And if you have a paper Bible, you can jump to the book of Matthew. You can flip left to the book of Malachi. And that one slither of sheet of paper represents 400 years of the silence of God. Not that he had left his people, not that he had abandoned them or forsaken them. He just had kept quiet. He just had not sent a prophet to speak to them. And what's so significant about this passage is that when uh, God speaks through Zechariah, it's a prophetic statement that he's saying to the people, I'm going to break Zechariah's silence and I'm going to break my silence. I'm going to tell my people what I am doing and what I have done through this child Jesus. For centuries, the Jewish people had languished under the conviction that God had withdrawn. The spirit of prophecy had ceased. They had fallen into the hands of Rome and all the people in Israel were awaiting a visitation for their king. And I can imagine this paradox where Zechariah, knowing the truth of of what he is got in his hands. I mean, John is going to be a forerunner to Jesus and knowing that the, the savior of the world is coming and yet being not able to speak. So he's thinking, man, I'm so silly. I can't believe I doubted God. And then be so excited. And so this thing is going on. And then finally he can speak. Luke chapter one, verse 67 to 68. It says his father, John the Baptist's father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. See, praise should be our natural response when we see the amazing work and goodness of God in our life. I love that it is his first natural response. As soon as God opens up his mouth, out overflows praise and adoration to God. Why? Because God has come to his people. Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 to 23 says, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And if we can get it down in a nutshell as to why we celebrate today, it is because God, the creator of the universe, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who knows the beginning from the end, came to walk with us, descended from his throne in glory, left that amazing paradise to be born into a manger, to walk a human fleshly life for us. And I love that because there's nothing in our life and there's nothing that we can go through that our God does not understand. He who walked miles upon miles with human feet and human shoes. There's not a challenge in our world that God cannot empathise with. He is not a God who is distant. He is not a God who is far away. He is not a God who does not understand. He is near and he is close. And I pray that whatever you're experiencing at the moment and whatever you're going through this Christmas, that you would take some time today and know in the depths of your soul that God is near to you. That at Christmas, Jesus came to walk with us. He is near and he has come. Secondly, he has redeemed. 
Now, this language harkens back to the book of uh, Exodus and where Moses is leading the, uh, the people of Israel out of the uh, captivity of Egypt and into the promised land. God redeemed them and he delivered them from that. It says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and the mighty acts of judgment. And what he's saying here is, yes, these people, these small people group in Israel will be redeemed, but it's really a prophetic statement for the whole entire world that because of what Jesus has done, not only is he near to us, but he has redeemed us. He has brought us into the family of God. Everything that we have done, all of our sin and all of our wrongdoing can be wiped away because of the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He has brought us from our captivity. He has brought us from our darkness and he has brought us into light. He has brought us into a relationship with him. He has brought us into the fullness of His presence. God has redeemed us. He has brought His people out from bondage so that we can be free. Now, how will He do that? Luke chapter 1 verse 69 says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. Now, a horn of salvation. This is not really a traditional image at Christmas time that we would hold up, but it's a really exciting one. It's a really interesting one. So through the week, I was just knocking it around and researching and doing a bit of thinking about what is this horn of salvation? At Christmas time, Jesus is known by many names, Saviour, Messiah, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. But this is the only place in the New Testament where he is referred to as a horn. Now, a horn here is not a musical instrument like a French horn. A horn is like a weapon of battle. A horn is like the horn of an ox, and it's a symbol of great strength and great victory. Psalm 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take my refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That in Christ, we find the great victory of salvation. The great victory that we gather here today and celebrate. Luke 1, 70, 75, it goes on to say, and he has uh, said to the prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us, to show, our mer- to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Now, what is the nature of the salvation that Jesus offers to us? And here we see that the purpose of the work of God and His plan for humanity is raising up this horn of salvation so that we might serve Him without fear in holiness, in righteousness before Him all the days of our life. His purpose is not just to liberate us from from oppression. His purpose is to create for Himself a people, that He would establish a people for Himself. In this scripture, it throws back to the covenant that God made with Abraham. And that's just a promise that you can catch up with in the book of Genesis. We don't have time to go into the depths of all these covenants and promises today. But all you need to know for today is that God's desire since the beginning of creation was always to be with His people. Was always that His people would be a people for Himself. That we would be in relationship with Him. That we would be in relationship with one another as a result of what would flow vertically from our relationship with our Father. And that through Jesus, we see the fulfilment of the desire and promise of God that through the work of Christ, God is building up a people. This is the beautiful invitation in the Christmas story. That through Jesus, we can enter in and become the people of God. 
verse 74 and 75 show that the goal of God's uh, redemption in raising up this salvation so that we can walk with Him. We can be in relationship with Him. We can be in fellowship with Him all the days of our life. To be able to approach Him without fear, to live in a way that reflects Him, to reflect His nature, reflects His beauty. This is the wonderful, beautiful story of the redemptive work of God, that we can now approach God as our Father, relationally, without fear and trepidation, because He so longs to be near to us, to be a people who have hope, a people who live with purpose, a people who experience belonging and acceptance in the house of God and as the people of God. This is what God designed for us to have, to know Him and to have that relationship with Him reflect the way that we treat and walk with one another. See, the only problem with it, and all of that was God's grand plan, is that we constantly got in the way. We constantly rebelled against Him. We constantly did things that did not reflect our walk with Him. And we constantly turned ourselves away from the goodness and beauty of God. But God knowing this, and God knowing that we are people who have a proclivity to walk away from Him, uh, delivered a solution to us here at Christmas. He said, Luke 1, 76 to 77, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. And you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him. That's speaking about John the Baptist. Now, this is the nature of the salvation, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. See, every single one of us has fallen short in some way of the grace, of the power and standard of God. There is not a single one of us in this room who have walked this life perfectly. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And we can look at the nation of Israel and say, how dare they do this? And how dare they rebel against God? And how dare they be so disobedient towards His goodness and His promises? But we can be exactly the same. It's our natural bent. It's our natural desire in our flesh. Sin is a small word, but it's a major problem because it's the thing that separates us from our relationship with God. It's a thing that gets in the way because He is so holy and He is so separate. He does not want to be in a relationship and in an environment where there is sin and where there is anything that is outside of perfection. Knowing that we have this and knowing that we are born with this and knowing that we all fall short of the glory of God. Knowing that the wages of our sin is death. Knowing that what we deserve is eternity outside of God. God in His tender, gracious mercy gives us the wonderful gift of Jesus. It says here in Luke 1, 78-79, because of the tender mercy of God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the, heart, in the path of peace. God not wanting to see our demise, God not wanting us to stay in darkness, God not wanting us to languish in our sin came with the greatest rescue act the world has ever, ever known. The greatest feat in the history of humanity. And we've already discussed what a dark time it was for them. And I would argue that in our world at the moment, it's, I would say, an equally dark time We see so much out there at the moment. There's so much negativity, so much hurt, so much brokenness out there. I believe that this world more than ever needs a saviour. I believe this world more than ever needs a hope. I believe this world more than ever needs Jesus. And you might be sitting here today going, well, that's all well and good for those guys, but I'm all good. You know, work's going well and 
kids are happy and mortgage is being paid and there's food in the fridge and everything's going well. I'm cool. Life's not dark. What are you talking about? Being a positive, it's Christmas, man. Come on. But I think even in times where life is seemingly going well, every single person in the depths of their soul has a need for a saviour that is caused by our rebellion towards God, that is caused by walking in a way that doesn't honour him and reflect him. We all have an inner darkness that we carry without the light and love of God. The Christmas story is God coming to earth to shatter the darkness of the human soul, to break through those times where we feel alone, to break through those times where we're feeling so separate and so distant from God, to bring us into a relationship with Him and to save us from our eternal destination without Him, to bring us into that place with Him forever. We touched on this horn of salvation. This is the crescendo of the narrative that in Jesus we have our greatest victory against our greatest enemy and one that every one of us will meet universally and without prejudice face to face. And we can see it here and that is death. That because of Jesus, the power of death holds no sting for the Christian. That we can look forward with hope, knowing that this is not the end. Knowing that there is an eternity with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross in his crucifixion, in his resurrection. We can look forward to the day where there will be no pain, no tears, where there will be no darkness. For so will be the presence of God with his people in eternity. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, 56 is where the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If I can have the band up here at the moment. That the grace and love of God is so deep, so unfathomable, so unsearchable, that even in the depths of our brokenness, even in the depths of our sin, He came to rescue us. He came to give us life. He came to give us hope. He came to give us a future and to become a people with Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but would have eternal life. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. And yet the amazing grace of God has made it available to us. How? By placing our faith in Jesus. And this is amazing grace. That in our darkness and brokenness, God came to visit us. This is what we're celebrating, that God has come to undo the darkness and to bring a great light, to bring a great hope. So wherever you are today in church, would you please be upstanding with me? However you are celebrating Christmas today, whether we can hang out here for a bit or whether you've got family to go and see, friends or whatever you're doing, I pray that you would find at least in the day sometime a moment of silence, a moment of 
reflection and a moment of celebration. That you would celebrate and rejoice the fact that God has come near. He has come close. He has redeemed us. He has made us a people for Himself. That He has forgiven our sins because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that we can have hope forever that we will be in that place with Jesus in glory. Wherever we are, friends, celebrate our King who has come, our King who is enthroned, and our King who, by the grace and power of God, is returning. Amen. Father, we thank You today for Your Word. We thank You for this wonderful day today that we can celebrate the wonderful gift of Jesus. We thank You that You have made us a people to Yourself. We thank You that You are the horn of our salvation. We thank You that we look forward with hope that day we will be with You forever. We pray today that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, would fill our house today, would fill our homes, would fill our families, would fill our relationships and wherever we might be. Father, I pray that we would go and celebrate with joy because of what You have done for us on this day. And we give You praise and glory and honour. In Jesus' Name, Amen.